are not referring to Trey's Happy Hour podcast Jeopardy questions that he will be hoisting the way of his FrenchStretch.com colleagues this evening and subscribe to that wherever you listen to podcasts. No, we're referring to the other NASCAR-related question, which is, is NASCAR going to fix the race at Daytona this weekend so that a desired driver, desired by the TV network NBC, of course, gets in to the NASCAR playoffs? I emphatically would say the answer to that is no. NASCAR is not going to do that. However, as we mentioned on our InsaneRadioDeals.com fast take earlier today, Let's not be so naive as to not think there aren't at least some drivers that are at the top of the pecking order in terms of who NBC and NASCAR and SMI, which owns some of the tracks in the playoffs, would like to see make the playoffs. And if I'm allocating this on a percentage basis, Trey, I I would say probably 55 points out of 100 would go to Chase Elliott. Yeah, I would say that's appropriate. 35 points out of 100 will go to Bubba Wallace, which means 90% of the potential points will go to those two drivers. In terms of the driver that NASCAR and its competing interests would like to see in the playoffs. Another 5% will go to Daniel Suarez. Doesn't quite have the polarization of Bubba Wallace, nor the appeal of Chase Elliott, but he has some. And unlike... A lot of other drivers. He also, like Bubba Wallace, brings in a different demographic. Wallace, obviously, the African-Americans. And not every African-American likes Bubba Wallace, but he clearly is a magnet to those viewers. Those are two truths, but not the exact same thing. And then Daniel Suarez, same thing with the Hispanic community. And NASCAR has tapped into that, and everyone knows about Daniel's Amigos, wherever he goes to particular tracks, especially in Texas. Or California. And yes, we get the Bubba Wallace soundbite to remind us that, well, there's a lot of places that are better than Texas. Oh, way better than Texas. Yeah. Way better than Texas. But that leaves 5% for the rest of the field. So, Trey, tell me if I'm wrong on this or not. But if I'm thinking in terms of NASCAR secretly wanting to happen, not fixing the races, because, again, I don't think they're going to do it. And, you know, if you get a different driver, (coughs) Ty Gibbs, a different driver, AJ Armandar, AJ Allmendinger, that might happen. Alex Bowman, or whomever, into the NASCAR playoffs because they win at Daytona. Hey, fine with it. But let's not be so naive, Trey, that if you're NASCAR and the business partners around the sport, that you would want Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Daniel Suarez, and then the rest of the field in that order. Yeah, I mean, from a marketing side, I think... Um... Yeah, the fact that now Kevin Harvick's in, I would say, if, like, let's say Ty, you're, Ty Gibbs won, and this <laughs> last at Watkins Glen, and this left Kyle uh, Kevin Harvick on the bubble, I might even put Kevin Harvick, ab- it would be hard, but I might put Kevin Harvick above Chase Elliott just because it would be his final playoffs. Um, it's kind of like how it was kind of weird that Jimmy didn't make the playoffs in his last year. And um, it's uh, so, but that's obviously not happening because Ty Gibbs didn't win because he couldn't pass, uh, you know, because maybe, uh, you know, team owner of 2311 did a good job blocking him early in that race. Just maybe put my hat on <laughs> maybe, there. Maybe, I would say definitely. But uh, I would say, yeah, Chase is number one. Bubba is number two. 
Um, Daniel Suarez is number three. Um, maybe Centric because he's a uh, he's he's in he's in a Penske car, but not really. See, that's why I go with the field at number four because. You're searching for answers like I am. Maybe after a that. Corey LaJoy, like someone that's Who's a fun n- story. Yeah, not like uh, LaJoy, I could see competing there at the end, but it would be a very much a um, uh, underdog, like an underdog. I think fourth would be an underdog, not the field, if that makes sense. Yeah, so you're I talking think about a, be- a Corey LaJoy type guy. That's a better way to put it. Like, uh, Corey or LaJoy. Todd Gilliland. Yeah. Like, nobody really knows who he is unless you're a diehard, but, like, it's you're scrapping and clawing to get your way into the playoffs. And people could feel good about that type of driver making his way in to this format. Harrison Burton, who has been atrocious for most of this year and is, I would say, drastically underperformed for the Wood Brothers racing team, they're a favorite in NASCAR fandom and NASCAR lore. Um, LaJoy, because he's, you know, come close to super speedways before he's got the stack and pennies podcast. And it's about just doing a little bit every day and hoping those deposits pay off and can kind of be a relatable thing to the NASCAR fan. But I'm with you in regards to that Trey. but it's also not naive to not think, yo, again, for big business and marketing, uh, I would say Chase Elliott, even over Kevin Harvick, because Chase Elliott's the most popular driver in NASCAR and has been voted that way consistently. Bubba Wallace is a guy who is polarizing to many because he's become more outspoken and obviously he's the front of what I think were necessary changes for NASCAR to get with the times of the banning of the Confederate flag on NASCAR property and uh, other changes they made. Uh, the truth also is, is people view him in a much more negative light. Now, I wouldn't exactly have decided, hey, let's go on CNN with Don Lemon. Uh, you know, I think they're better outlets to have expressed yourself. But hey, he put himself out there and it has brought people that love him and love to hate him. And then Daniel Suarez, he's not been as polarizing politically, but clearly, again, represents a different group of fans and reaches those people, which is all what we have been saying here in the fast lane. Now, there is an X's and O's part to that that we'll get to when we get into the weeds, but that comes your way after the Fast Five at Five-ish and before we dive deep into other football-related topics. We have plenty of that coming up. High school football, Ben Cates, newsadvance.com, season and week one look ahead. Then, Bryant McFadden. College football with a focus on the ACC. Remember, he played for Florida State. And the NFL. He played for the Pittsburgh Steelers and won a couple Super Bowls there. And is now an analyst with CBS Sports. Bryant McFadden around 540 today after our chat with Ben Cates. And well after what we get to right now, including some other NFL topics to kick things off in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Weeks after his shocking trade request, the Indianapolis Colts have given star running back Jonathan Taylor permission to test the trade market. While the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have announced Baker Mayfield will be their QB1. First for the Tampa Bay with Baker thing, it's easier to go from Baker if he underperforms to Kyle Trask. Honestly, from Baker's standpoint, again, I don't think a lot of Tampa Bay this year. Maybe foreshadowing some votes of confidence a couple of days from now. However, from Baker's standpoint, a guy that has been in endorsement deals previously, was noted for being an antagonist when he was a quarterback at Oklahoma, flying under the radar might actually be the best situation for him. 
low small market team Tampa Bay outside of the Tom Brady era and of course my guy John Gruden uh, and obviously a roster that's not expected to do much this exemplifies low pressure for Baker Mayfield meanwhile Jonathan Taylor seeking the potential trades that are out there I think if anything this is an indication that he's going to figure out that he's in the same classification as the majority of these running backs you can hope wish pray cry moan complain for a new deal and I don't begrudge athletes for trying to get as much money as possible but market factors are out there and there is a heavy supply of serviceable even above average between the tackles running backs who can do a lot for a team like Jonathan Taylor because of that and the fact that unless you are explicitly an offensive weapon style running back a la Adebo Samuel a la a Christian McCaffrey both in the same backfield but both Swiss Army Knife players a Tony Pollard in Dallas and even he and Saquon Barkley have found the market to be not so kind for that particular position and unless you're there you're really not going to get a lot because heavy supply means fewer dollar dollar bills y'all coming your way in the immortal words of our guy Kenny Powers number four off the NFL for just a moment the SRX Superstar Racing Experience averaged 436,000 viewers during its first season on ESPN's Thursday Night Racing. This according to Austin Carp of Sports Business Journal. That is down over 50%, 56% to be specific, from over 1 million viewers on the six Saturday Night Races last year. Couple things to keep in mind for this. One, it's the superstar racing experience. I, I just think you're going to target a niche audience, and that's it. And I'm always leery of secondary leagues starting up, whether it's SRX, and they're not going head to head with NASCAR, but the idea of putting a dent into that motorship, uh, motorsports viewership, I think is very legitimate. It, it's legitimate to question that, which is certainly what we're doing here. Then CBS versus ESPN. I know ESPN's the big behemoth. The idea of them going direct to consumer has now been floated out there, and maybe they will not be part of any cable package within the near future. But the truth is, is it doesn't generate the same level of viewers as network TV. And while Saturday night is not necessarily a gold mine when it comes to TV ratings, Thursday night racing never took hold. They did it during the 2020 COVID pandemic. I've actually advocated doing that as opposed to doing it on Saturday nights or Sundays during football season when you're competing against that audience as challenging and difficult as it is. But even if you're going ahead with that, NASCAR and the numbers don't lie. And I'd say SRX now has learned this the hard way. It's a lot harder to bring in motorsports on a Thursday night, a weeknight, when most of the motorsports community is conditioned to believe Saturday nights or Sunday afternoons, or maybe Saturday afternoons for some races, are the time to actually consume your product. And that is, I think, the biggest takeaway out of all of this. Number three. Back to NASCAR. Rumors were out there for a while that Austin Hill could potentially replace Justin Haley at Colleague Racing. Instead, he's going to stick around in the NASCAR Xfinity Series in 2024 after signing a multi-year extension with Richard Childress Racing. I love this move for Austin Hill. I, I, whether it's college football or basketball players rushing to get to the highest level. And if you're a guaranteed first round pick in the NBA, certainly in Major League Baseball and in the NFL, I can understand it because of the amount of money that comes there. Heck, in the NFL and baseball, even second and third round picks make pretty good money and it's hard to pass that up. 
But in NASCAR, if you're not in the right equipment in the right ride, it's hard to be competitive, race in and race out. If I'm Austin Hill, who is a great super speedway racer, and I would just say on average per year should win at least one super speedway style race out of the five in the regular season, two at Daytona, two in Atlanta, one in Talladega in the spring, not counting the Talladega fall race, there's a chance to qualify for the NASCAR playoffs all the time. Because of that, you can get into the Xfinity Series playoffs, continue to show you can win, continue to be in above-average equipment for your particular circuit. He's run well in other spots. I don't blame him at all for not rushing up to the cup race. I understand it's harder to get some of those rides. And yes, with this next-gen car, we have seen groups like Colleg Racing be more competitive. Groups like Trackhouse Racing with Justin uh, Mark's group of Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain, or 2311, the Denny Hamlin-Michael Jordan team of Bubba Wallace and previously Kurt Busch and now Tyler Reddick win races. We've seen that regularly, but it still is more challenging and it's harder at that top level, whereas I'd say on a given week, there are probably about 10 different drivers that legitimately could win an Xfinity race and Austin Hill is in that group. Why not be patient, buy your time, and realize that shuffling takes place regularly and wait for a better situation to arise. Number two. Back to the NFL. Washington Commanders wide receiver Terry McLaurin is expected to be just day-to-day or week-to-week, dealing with a toe sprain based on an initial diagnosis after suffering the injury in last night's game. Good news for Washington. Look, I'd be shocked if he plays in the third and final preseason game. But... Having him available and ready to come back in week one is exactly what they expected to have happen for Washington in the best case scenario. It looks like Terry McLaurin could be there. And even then, Trey and I have foreshadowed this to an extent in our votes of confidence already uh, and in some of our commentary previously. But the Commanders open at home against the Arizona Cardinals, who may be one of the worst constructed rosters right now in the NFL, devoid of talent and... um, Trey, again, I'll be diplomatic here and say we both have suspicions about their head coach, Jonathan Gannon, based on his, um, should we say, underwhelming schemes in Patrick Philadelphia. Patrick McCombs still carved him up. Indeed, he did, despite multiple injuries that Patrick Mahomes endured in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl, he still carved up those simplistic, bland defensive schemes from Jonathan Gannon. Because of that, that insult to the Arizona Cardinals now head coach is relevant to Terry McLaurin because if he's not feeling great, Washington could sideline him week one against the Cardinals and I would say still have a reasonable chance to win as they are currently a six-point favorite. And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. NASCAR, as Trey noted last week in the Fast Five at Five-ish, started NASCARclassic.com with a database of over 1,000 races, which is really cool for NASCAR fans because you can relive the full race. But for me, the two obviously that come to mind are, I didn't mean to wreck him, I just meant to rattle his cage, Dale Earnhardt Sr. knocking out Terry Labonte at the Bristol night race in 1998. And then, a couple years later, Jeremy Mayfield on that infamous Monday afternoon in 2000, June 19th, 2000, in Pocono, Mayfield nudged Earnhardt out of the way in the final turn on the final lap and then has that left hand out the window pumping his fist at my guy, Dale Earnhardt, just because of the sheer humor of the moment. But here's the other thing that builds upon what Trey mentioned last week. NASCAR has also announced they're in talks with Netflix to air a playoff docu-series. Uh, they're in advanced discussions and have... It's been officially announced. It has officially been announced. Thank you, Trey. That this will be based upon the playoffs. This is great for NASCAR. At a time where people are criticizing Formula One because as much success 
in terms of fan interest as they got from Drive to Survive. The rating, the racing itself has been atrocious in that circuit, and it is not delivered on the hype that has surrounded it. NASCAR has been steady in terms of interest. It's not overly risen, but it also hasn't fallen off the way people thought that it would. It's held steady through the pandemic and some of those challenges and the social unrest of 2020 and NASCAR getting involved with that. It's held steady through the Formula One surge that I think has started to taper off a bit. By the way, uh, the Front Stretch Podcast Network has got a great episode out about that earlier today. The Pitch the Straight. Ju- the Pitch Straight, yes, indeed, with Jack Swansea and company. Uh, very good. Very short to the point, but explaining how F1 has struggled to try for NASCAR to do this with Netflix. I think it's very smart. My one wish is that NASCAR drivers are as open as possible about some of the stress and pressure that they're feeling but while I watched a little bit of the documentary they did in this style last year in conjunction with Peacock and USA Network if you're talking about where you're going to reach more people and again I don't have raw numbers of who has streaming for Peacock and who has it for Netflix but I would just say from a perception standpoint moving from Peacock to Netflix sorry to our fine friends at NBC and USA and we've had a great relationship working with some of them but let's call a spade a spade here you're going to reach more non-NASCAR people by going the Netflix route and all the promotion that comes with the documentaries there especially updating it weekly compared to Peacock which seems to be more niche oriented yeah, absolutely. All I got to say is my favorite part of, I think it was Drive to the Championship on USA, was uh, uh, even though it was aired at a unreasonable time, like 10 o'clock on a Sunday, um, if you go to the Bristol Dirt episode, you could see a familiar face in it, and that was my favorite part of it. Well, I want to go back and do that then, so that I can uh, educate myself and make myself feel a little more supportive of you and your colleagues at FrontStretch.com. And there is your Fast Five at Five-ish. When we return here in the Fast Lane, we will get into the weeds on high school football. It starts this coming week. Ben Cates, NewsAdvance.com, local sports reporter, will give us the lowdown on his overview for the Seminole District and some teams in the surrounding area. Hit us up if you've got questions for us, by the way. We always appreciate those. Fast Lane, Ed Lane, and Trey Lyle, VT. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, however you listen to podcasts with five-star reviews, of course. And we'll also ask him about some thrilling week one matchups, including Gretna at JF with a 6.30 p.m. East Coast Wings and Grill tailgate show for a 10th straight season of JF football presented by TrostLaw.com on the Virginia's talk station app and our sister station, 100.9. All that's still to come. This is the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. 